Hi, this is Crystal Cyrus from the OOTW podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 250, Deadpool Movie Review. McBrien along with Derek Myers and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Episode 250, hard to believe, 250 episodes we've done. This is pretty amazing. We have spent the last few weeks uh, looking back on films celebrating their 20th anniversary. So this week, Derek actually felt it was it was time to watch something a bit newer, you know, so uh, as we know around here, my definition of newer differs slightly from Derek's definition. Pretty much everyone else's definition, for that matter. So we went and watched 2016's Deadpool. We're going to review it on the podcast this week. But first, Derek, what pop culture can you educate me on before we get to our movie review, my friend? Hey, Chris. Well, Hi. I only have a couple of things uh, to talk about for uh, for a couple of different reasons. Mm-hmm. The first is I started watching like three different movies this week and I didn't finish any of them. Okay. So I don't really feel I'm in a spot to talk about any of them yet. So hopefully I'll find some time, finish all three of them and I can put them all on the list for next week. So that was partly why I don't have a lot to talk about. The other one was... I started going back to my Audible account and started listening to some books on audio. So I am going to talk about that because I managed to listen to two full novels this week. Wow. And that took up a lot of my time. But first, I did actually watch a couple of things. So I'll start with that. Sure. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, Brendan Fraser won an Oscar for his role in the movie The Whale. And I thought, what better time than now to go and watch some of Brendan Fraser's back catalog? So I started with... Encino Man from 1992 with Brendan Fraser, Sean Astin, and Pauly Shore. Chris, have you ever seen Encino Man? No, I have not. It's very much a, uh, it, so it's from 1992, and right. Man, oh Man, does it stand out as a 90s movie? So much <laughs> of this was just a nostalgia bomb from the 90s between the way people look, the way people talk, the music, just so much of it. If you... If I didn't know it was from 92, I would have been able to place it probably within a month of when it was shot, just based on those those little things. But uh, the movie itself is it is what it is. It's 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 OK. I mean, it holds up sort of. I mean, it is what it is. It's a Disney movie. Um, so, you know, it's got the feel good ending The everyone should fit in and don't you know, don't judge people by how they look kind of message. So it's OK. It was fun. It was a fun rewatch. Let's just put it that way. I had seen it before. But it had been a long time. And actually, the very first time I ever saw it was at a movie sneak preview. One of my good friends worked at a radio station after work or after school in high mm-hmm. school. And he used to get free movie passes from the radio station. They would do contests to give away stuff. And whenever people didn't pick up the passes, they'd be like, hey, you want to go see this movie? So he actually brought me to an advanced screening of Encino Man. That's the very first time I saw it in the theater. But uh, anyway, it had probably been close to 25 years since I saw this movie. But it was a fun revisit. It's on Disney Plus. So, you know. If you're feeling a little nostalgic for uh, Brendan Fraser in uh, in his very early career, 
Why not take it? Why not give it a watch? Yeah, I think I never uh, watched it because I thought I always thought it looked kind of dumb. And Pauly Shore was in it. I didn't like that guy. So that's probably why I never watched honestly, it. Honestly, at the time, I, I'm Pauly Shore was the part of the movie I liked the least. But now mm-hmm. looking back on it, I actually didn't find him nearly as annoying now as I did then. Because I think I, I identified with his character a little more now. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The other, the only other thing I had a chance to watch this week was uh, we've got a 90-day temporary subscri- subscription to Apple Plus, yep. Apple TV, uh, in large part because the new season of Ted Lasso started. So yes. my wife and I have been binging everything we can on Apple Plus. So we are uh, we watched the first two se- two episodes of the new season of Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. and uh, so far two thumbs up. I know you like this show. Have you had a chance to watch the new episodes? I watched the first episode. I haven't seen the second one yet, but yeah, I do like that show. Okay. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I heard that they're only doing eight episodes this season, so oh, I'm kind of curious as to where it's going to go. Again, I, I don't want spoilers, so I'm trying right. to not read ahead on too much. But do you know? Um, if, so far, is, so good. Is this like the last season? Or are they going to do more? I, I have no idea. I and honestly, like I don't want to the, know. I feel like it should be the last season. They should do three seasons and call it quits. But that's my thought. Well, I know next week we're going to get the uh, the the beginning of the final season of the show succession, mm-hmm. which I'm really looking forward to. So that one drops this weekend on HBO. So I'm really looking forward to that. But so those were sort of the only things I had a chance to watch. But then, like I said, I had a chance to listen to two books on audio. So now I guess I can't say I read them because they were essentially read to me, but mm-hmm. the, 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 the nomenclature is a little weird there, but anyway. Um, so I'm a big fan of fantasy and science fiction and no. fantasy books. I, no. I read all the time. No. Yeah. No kidding. Um, but I actually really like science fiction, but I like sci-fi about like spaceships and robots and that kind of sci-fi. And so, um, I was speaking to some people I know that have similar interests and I asked them like, what can I read? And, and you get all these recommendations from all directions. And what somebody finally suggested to me, they said, since you're going to be listening to it on audible, why don't you find a book that you've already listened to where you felt the voice actor did a really good job? And then search based on the voice actor and see what books he's he or she has read that you've enjoyed and then see if any of those sound interesting. So I did that. And that's actually how I just randomly happened to stumble upon this series. Uh, The first book is called We Are Legion brackets. We are Bob. And the author is a Canadian author. Again, I didn't know he's Canadian when I started reading it, but um, his name is Dennis E. Taylor. And so this is the first book in what has since become called the Bobiverse. And uh, I listened to the first book, We Are Bob. I listened to the second book called For We Are Many. Uh, The first one came out in 2016. The second one came out in 2017. I believe there are currently four books out, and his fifth book is dropping quite soon. So I I reached out to a few people I know who actually were familiar with this franchise, and it got rave reviews from them. So I gave it a listen, and yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Very loosely, uh, loose high-level premises that um, it takes place. It starts off in the here and now, and a guy decides – that he wants to be cryogenically frozen when he dies and be thawed out when they can basically put his mind into a computer. And so in the first chapter, he basically signs the paper, walks out of the office, and gets hit by a bus. And then he wakes up to find out that he has indeed been put into, into a computer. And it's like 200 years later. And the earth is on the brink of war. And they're basically the different superpowers are putting people's minds into computers and then sending them into outer space and spaceships to try and find places where humans can go live when the earth is destroyed from all this war. And the series just goes from there. And um, what what eventually ends up happening, not really a spoiler, this is sort of on the back cover, is part of the way that this this 
futuristic plan is supposed to work is once this artificial intelligence that was once a human goes into outer space, they have the ability to replicate themselves and build more of themselves. Hence the title, We Are Bob, because the main character's name is Bob, and he ends up building more Bobs. And so there ends up being a number of these Bob artificial intelligences, which at the point of creation are identical copies, but as soon as they start experiencing different things, become their own individual entities. It's really good. It's really neat. It reminded me um, a little bit of the sort of the same style as Ready Player One, where there's a lot of pop culture references, but they're done in a way to further the story. The The character of Bob is actually a, a very likable, uh, very reasonable viewpoints. Um, and a, there's a lot of political commentary that the author sort of thrown in under the guise of science fiction, as almost all good science fiction does. But no, they were really great. The, the audiobooks took about 10 hours each to listen to, which is kind of on the short side for an audiobook. But uh, yeah, they were great. I can't wait to listen to the next few. So uh, if you're looking for a good read or a good audiobook, it's called We Are Bob. So you mentioned a lot of stuff that was going on there. Here's my takeaway from all the things that you just said. The author's name was Dennis Taylor. So that was Brad Hamilton's boss at All American Burger in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Dennis Taylor. That was nice. <laughs> well, that's probably why he's Dennis E. Taylor. He probably didn't want to not get to be confused. confused with this. Yeah. With the yeah. manager at all American. So. so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. So any case, yeah, no. So that was my week in Sino man, Ted Lasso. And then these two books by Dennis E. Taylor. We are Legion. We are Bob. And for we are many. So, so check them out. They were great. I got something for you. Last week, I, I surprised you and pretty much everyone else for that matter. I'm sure I stepped outside my comfort zone because I watched a new movie last week. If you remember, I took my oh, right. family. Yeah, you went to the theater. Yeah, we went to see the movie theater. We went to see the movie 65. I went hoping to see a, a PG rated movie about dinosaurs. And I ended up watching an R rated movie trailer about Jennifer Lawrence dropping F-bombs. So my kids right, got right, real right, right, right. there. So anyway, so this week I decided to stay with the whole new movie thing. My wife and I watched the Oscar winner for Best Picture this year, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So. had You, you had not seen it before? No, we just watched it this week. It was on the streaming service. Okay. So, well, you know me, Derek. Uh, you know, I'm always going on and on about Hollywood and, and Hollywood never has any new ideas and all that stuff. It's always sequels and franchises and reboots and reimaginings. It's, it's one of the reasons I don't watch anything after 1989. Also because I'm old, you know. But I have to say... I was pleasantly surprised because everything, everywhere, all at once is not a reboot or some retread. It is unbelievably original. It's different. It's unique. I thought it was amazing. Oh, my God. I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to drop any spoilers or anything. But, man, this movie was something. Like, there's these themes of, like, Taoism and balance and love and loyalty and responsibility. I think my biggest takeaway from watching this film, though, was this idea that kindness doesn't equal weakness. I, I feel like, yeah. th- to me, that was the essence of K. Huey Kwan's character and what yeah. he brought to the story. I, I thought it was a fantastic film. Wow. You've seen it? Yeah. it's uh, it, it, As it just so happens, it came out almost a year ago, and uh, I think we went and saw it on the first weekend because we saw a trailer. I don't normally watch trailers, mm-hmm. but this one, sort of the trailer was interesting enough and didn't seem like it was giving a lot away, so I watched it and thought, that looks really good, and uh, there was a couple of my friends were like really keen to see it on the first weekend, so we saw it the first weekend it came out, and we even said at the time, we're like, this movie's going to make a statement, and mm-hmm. man, oh man, I did it ever. I mean, it cleaned up at the Oscars, and I think, you know, sometimes when the Oscars, we look back and we sort of go, wow, did they really make a mistake? This movie should have won, or that actor should have won. 
I do not think for a second that this is going to be one of those years where they look back and they go, you know what? I think that the Fableman should have won, or I think that the, you know, Elvis should have won. Like, uh, uh-uh. I think that people are going to look back and go, this is one of the years the Oscars got it right. This movie is great. And I think it's going to have a lot of staying power for largely the reasons you said. I think it's the themes are universal. They're timeless. The message is timeless and it, it's cross-cultural. Like it, it applies to so many people in so many circumstances. It's yeah, it was really good. can't say enough good things about and especially it. Especially a film that was, I couldn't imagine editing this thing. And it's got so much going on visually and there's so much going on with action sequences and fight sequences, but really it comes down to the performances. They're just so, it, Oh my it, God. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable movie. So yeah, I stepped outside my comfort zone two weeks in a row, but back into my comfort zone right now with this. Here's your dad joke of the week. Derek, I thought since we were reviewing Deadpool this week, that it would be appropriate to do a superhero dad joke. Right? Oh geez. Okay. So, Derek, what do Wanda and Daredevil have in common? Um, I don't know. They're both they both wear red costumes. I have no idea. They both lost their vision. Wow. Where's the strangest place you've ever made whoopee? <laughs> in the that's one of the all-time best unscripted answers ever. I used the F word and I got kicked off my reach for the top team. Using the F word on TV was probably not going to be acceptable. Women. Have a couple of drinks. Did you get drunk? I would have won the million dollars. So I mentioned at the top, we we took a look back recently at movies celebrating 20 years, their 20th anniversary, because we did School of Rock and Lost in Translation. So... We thought it was important to add some balance to things. It's like Taoism, Derek, around Yeah, sure. Um, So anytime that we need to dip into a newer movie, the heavy lifting falls on you, my friend, because I don't (laughs) don't watch new stuff for you. These last two weeks, notwithstanding, though, because I have watched something new, so that's good. So you could have gone with anything at all, and you went with Deadpool. Why Deadpool? Take it away. So... One of the reasons I wanted to do Deadpool was last week we did Lost in Translation, which was probably not a very popular pick. I'm sure a lot of our loyal listeners sort of went, that show is going to be boring and just skipped it. Uh, Even my wife was like, that's a that's a terrible choice, even though you and I both enjoyed the movie Mm -hmm. a lot. Spoiler alert for anyone who skipped it. Um, But it's not the typical kind. Like, it's not an action movie. It's very dialogue driven, character driven. It's it's, it's, you know, set in the city of Japan. It's not futuristic. It's not computer generated. It's it's sort of a down to earth character study. And it's it's slow, like the pacing is slow and deliberately so. And, you know, I felt that we needed to really bounce back. We needed to swing the pendulum hard in the other direction. And let me tell you, Deadpool does that in my mind for all the reasons. It's it's computer generated. It's comic book movie. It's got dirty jokes. It's got Ryan Reynolds. It's uh, it's blood and gore to the extreme. And it's a hard R rating, which I can't remember if we really discussed that at the end of the last show. Uh, Hopefully you didn't watch this with your kids in the room. But um, we've done a couple of superhero movies in the past. I had you watch Iron Man, which is the Mm -hmm. kickoff of the new Marvel Cinematic Universe way back when. Um, And I had you watch the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Those because it's pretty much a standalone. You don't need a lot of back backup for that. And then I will definitely get you to watch Black Panther in the very, very near future because it's pretty much a standalone one as well. But Deadpool is a little something different. So Deadpool is uh, was owned by uh, the, the the. 
the movie rights were owned by Fox. Uh, so it was not officially, is not officially technically a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it's part of the same universe that has the X-Men in it, which again is, is separate from the Iron Man and Avengers uh, it, from a movie point of view. Now that Disney owns all of it, eventually these will all be wrapped in in some way, shape or form, but we're not there yet. So let's not worry about that. But you got to remember, like, when they did Deadpool, this is already many years into the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So the people making this movie had a sort of a blueprint to work from. They're like, well, what has worked in the past and how do we want to make this movie different than that? And Deadpool as a character um, is unique in the sense that he is aware that he's a character in a comic book and in the comic books constantly breaks the fourth wall and speaks to you, the reader, as a reader. And so to translate that into a movie is going to be a very different kind of superhero story. And honestly, he's not really a hero. He's really a villain. He's uh, but but when his character was created in the late 90s, this was a time in comic books when villains were becoming the heroes. You had the Punisher, you had Deadpool, you had like Ghost Rider, you had Venom. These were all characters that at some points had been considered villains. And then suddenly because people were like, well, the villains are cool. They started making more stories that featured the villain. Like you could argue that they're anti-heroes, but not really. They're more just straight up villains. And uh, Deadpool definitely falls into that category. But again, you you can't sell young kids a comic book about a villain robbing banks and killing people without trying to wrap some positivity around it. And I think with Deadpool, they really tried to find that balance. I don't know if they did it or not. But anyway, I, I digress. I wanted you to watch this movie because... Uh, number one, I know you don't really watch superhero movies, so I no. wanted to sort of pull you out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You constantly talk about how they don't make good R-rated raunchy comedies anymore. Not that this is a comedy, but I do feel it has a lot of raunchy humor in it. Um, and um, again, it's it's got one of my boyfriends, Ryan Reynolds. So, you know, let's let's uh, and it's very, uh, very, very self-referential and uh, self-deprecating. So anyway, we go the long way around. I hadn't seen this movie in came out in 2016 it's probably been 2017 since i saw this last so uh, it was a little bit of a revisit for me but uh, for the most part it it i remembered it quite quite well and quite fondly so anyway with all that being said take it away chris what did you think i thought i thought it was very interesting um in a world of reboots and rehashing everything under the sun i thought deadpool was was quite original and for the reason being, I think, unlike most superhero Marvel comic book movies, this one, as you mentioned, was R-rated. And it featured a slew of F-bombs, violence, and gratuitous nudity. Three things that are traditionally right up my alley, too, by the way. Uh, yep. so, so, let's, so, I, so I thought it was pretty interesting. So let's just dig into the movie a bit. It was released on February the 12th, 2016, directed by Tim Miller. It was produced on a budget of... $58 million. It took in over $700 million worldwide. I guess that's why they keep yeah. making these Dead comic book movies. Dear. Well, Deadpool's a very, very popular character for exactly mm -hmm. those reasons. Because even in the comic book, he's very raunchy. And he's very different than what you would expect from other contemporary comic book characters. And people like that. They like the edginess. They like the fact that he goes there. And they love the fact that he breaks fourth wall. And, and it just gives the character a dimension, a literal dimension, that other characters don't have. So people have always been drawn to this character uh, right since his inception in uh, in the late 90s. I wasn't familiar at all with Deadpool as a comic book. Like, no surprise there. I only ever used to read Richie Rich and movie adaptations. So how the hell would I know? But did, did you ever read these comics? Well, as, as luck would have it, um, 
so I went, I left to go to university in uh, 1993. So I was a huge comic collector until I went to school. And then I didn't have the, the money or the space to store or purchase comics. The, the first appearance of Deadpool came out like in the summer of 1993. And I managed to snag a couple of copies at cover price just because it was in a series I was already reading. So I was just already picking it up. Had his character been introduced six months later, I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have bought the comic and I wouldn't have thought anything of it. But now a mint condition copy can go for over a thousand bucks. So mm-hmm. it just happened to be right place, right time. But to answer your question, I remember reading about the character, but not thinking anything special of him when he first appeared. But I only ever got to know him through a couple of his, like, I think in the first time he appeared, he appeared in like a two or three issue story arc. And then they're like, okay, we'll put him on the shelf for a little while and figure out how to use him. Well, by the time they figured out how to use him, I had stopped reading comic books. So I was aware that he existed as a character, but did not have a very strong familiarity with him. So when I saw the movie, most of this was new to me as well. The first time that is. Right. So like I said, it made $700 million worldwide. Domestically in the U.S., it made $363 million. So it finished sixth overall at the box office that year. Wow. Finding Dory was the number one movie at the box office, followed up by Rogue One, Captain America Civil War, The Secret Life of Pets, The Jungle Book, and Deadpool. So wow. let's talk a little bit about the cast. Always like it. So we got to start, obviously, with Ryan Reynolds. The thing with him is, he, I think he's interesting, because initially, I feel like Hollywood didn't really know what the hell to do with him. Like, I remember I seeing him for the first time on this TV show called Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. And I think they yep. shortened it to Two Guys and a Girl or something like that. Yep. After he, the first season. Yep. Yeah. But he played this like goofy slacker sidekick. And then he did the movie Van Wilder where he played yep. a goofy slacker college student. And now he's become this, you know, handsome leading man. You know, he was even named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive for 2010. The first which Canadian. Is, which is referenced in the movie. Yeah. First Canadian to be named Sexiest Man Alive. Just narrowly beating out me, actually, for the award that year. Yeah, it was fixed. We'll call yeah. for a recount. Though, I'm, I'm the same age as Wilford Brimley when he started in Cocoon. So, uh, you, you're saying Wilford Brimley in Cocoon wasn't sexy? You know, because, you know, there's that. But, well, you're just lucky that he wasn't on the ballot because Wilford Brimley might have beat you. Exactly. So, uh, Ryan Reynolds, Canadian, obviously. Uh, he's... Got a good sense of humor. Seems to be a decent guy. Recently, he showed up at Seneca College in Toronto, and he just started chatting with the students that were in the media arts program. I don't know if you saw that in the media or on social media. I didn't, but I'm actually an alumnist of that school. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing you and I have said before is we always say Ryan Reynolds basically just plays Ryan Reynolds in all his movies. Is that the case Certainly here too? Certainly seems that way. Do you think? I think so. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I, I've, I've said before that uh, Free Guy, which came out a couple of years ago, is is certainly one of my guilty pleasure movies that I watch. I literally just watched it yesterday. It was on TV again. And it's the same thing. It just seems to be Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds. Um, and he's made a, made a career out of that. So, I mean, if you dig his shtick, great. It's more of the same. If you don't, well, then, you know, you sort of know what you're in for if, if you don't like his his thing then this one's not going to be for you so also in the movie was uh, an actress named marina baccarin my wife oh my God, used to she watch is so pretty <laughs> my, my wife used to watch this show called homeland i couldn't get into it it just wasn't my cup of tea but let me mm-hmm. tell you if there was a reason to watch it marina baccarin would have been it 
<laughs> so they refer to her as the hot chick in the opening credits of this film. Uh, so if I happen to refer to her like that, I'm just doing the bidding of the producers and following the official credits of the movie. But my sure. God, is she an attractive woman? Holy crap. Well, I remember the first time I saw her was in the uh, the very short-lived but very popular Fox TV series Firefly. Mm-hmm. So she was in the one and only season of Firefly. And then years later, when they did a reboot, remake, reimagining of the V television series, mm-hmm. she was the head bad guy for V. Like, she was the main villain. Um, so I don't know if you were ever familiar nope. with that one from the 80s. I, I've well, never, I remember I the one from the 80s, was, but I never saw yeah. the reboot. Yeah. I never watched the reboot, but my wife did. She said it was really good. But uh, yeah, no. And and again, same with Homeland. Not a show I watched, but my wife watched it. And same thing. She's like, oh, this. I know you like this actress. She's in it. I'm like, well, maybe I'll watch a few episodes. But the other case. one I wanted to mention was Leslie Uggams. So she played the blind woman. Blind Al, I think it was, was her name. Um, yes. She was in Roots, the 70s TV miniseries. Remember with Kunta Kinte, Navar Burton? I'm familiar with yeah. it, but I, I never watched it. it was I recognized her. I recognized her. But apart from those three actors, uh, Ryan Reynolds, the hot chick, and Leslie Uggams, I didn't know a single actor in this movie. Like, I didn't know really? anybody. Nope. Didn't know anybody else. Well, I mean, you didn't recognize T.J. Miller? He's been in tons of stuff. Nope. nope. He was the guy who played the bartender. Yep. Nope. You know? Didn't recognize or, anybody. Or what about the uh, the guy who recruited him from the bar? He called him Agent Smith. He nope. had, was wearing the suit. Nope. Didn't know who he was. He was... Uh, he was in, he's been a lot. So he was in Galaxy Quest. No, no you haven't seen Galaxy Quest, have no. you? No. Well, in any case. I mentioned the opening credits. The opening yes. credit sequence is just this running joke, right? Because it opens up, it says, some film. And then it's like starring God's perfect idiot. Some hot chick. Mm-hmm. A British villain, a moody teen, a CGI character, all this stuff. So it yep. got me thinking. If you remember, George Lucas very famously got into trouble when he didn't run any opening credits at the beginning of Star Wars. Just had the opening crawl, right. obviously. And he got fined. And then he did yes. the same thing in The Empire Strikes Back. So they kicked him out of the Directors Guild of America. So he couldn't... Right, right, Because right. he, he couldn't hire his first choice to direct Return of the Jedi. He wanted Steven Spielberg, but he couldn't. Right, he, right, he was right, kicked right, right. out of the DGA. So he got in all this trouble. So I got thinking, is this still a thing? I'm thinking to myself, because I'm, I'm watching this and I'm like wondering, like, did the director hear what was the name? Tim Miller? Like, I'm, I'm not familiar with his work at all, but, but, I, but I got thinking, like, I wonder, did he get in trouble for this? So I looked into it and it's actually pretty common now for movies not to have opening credits. Unlike back in the late 70s when Lucas got in trouble. So I went and I made a list of some movies with no opening credit sequence. Some of them might surprise you. Like recently? Yes. The Matrix. Okay. Yeah. There Will Be Blood. Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. All of the Lord of the Rings movies. Million Dollar Baby. Even Boogie Nights, a personal favorite of yours, Derek. All of those films did not have opening credits. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Just a little interesting. trivia for you. I'm just so, I'm, while you were talking, I looked up the thing here. The opening credits. It's I, I've got the things here. It's uh, mm-hmm. uh, God's perfect idiot, which yep. we said is Ryan Reynolds. Yep. A hot chick is yep. uh, Marina Buchanan. Uh, a British villain. A gratuitous cameo, which would be Stanley. Mm-hmm. A CGI character, which would be the the, the Colossus, guy. the X Men. Yeah. Uh, 
And then The Real Heroes, it talks about the writers written by The Real Heroes and then directed by an overpaid tool. <laughs> so there you go. It's like, yeah. So, so like we mentioned, that this movie was R-rated, definitely not for kids. I don't know if you did warn me about this, Derek, because luckily uh, I did not. I maybe, I maybe shouldn't have, I maybe didn't warn you as mm. much as I should have. Well, we didn't watch it with the kids, but I remember my wife kind of suggested it. She's like, are we going to watch this with the boys? Now they're 10 and 13 years old. So being as she won't even let me let them watch meatballs. You know, I, I figured she'd probably have a massive coronary if they watched this with us, Derek. So, no kidding. So, so again, I have young kids. So remember, next time you recommend a Marvel movie with like boobs and F-bombs, just a little heads up, bud. That's all I need. Sure thing. Sure um, thing. It's like that trailer that I watched with J-Law dropping F-bombs. You know, <laughs> that was like a Red Fox stand-up act. It was so bad. <laughs> and and the thing was, it, it's not just like, this movie wasn't just some subtle dropping of profanity. It opens up with Ryan Reynolds in a cab. And the very first bit of dialogue that they're talking about, he's like, oh, man, this smells so bad. It smells like Mama June after hot yoga. (laughs) The the mom from Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. And then he's like, it smells like two hobos. And I turn to my wife and I'm like, still want me to call the boys in to watch this movie with us, honey? (laughs) Like, like It really paints a picture, though, doesn't it? Oh, my God, I tell you. So um, the only reason my wife, I think, agreed to watch this with me. um, So let me just say, I I told her we had to watch this movie, Deadpool. I'm like, it's a comic book movie. And she's like, no, I don't want to watch it. So I say, Ryan Reynolds is in it. And she's like, well, you know, since since you have to watch it for the podcast, I guess I'll watch it with you. You know, it's like a double standard, though. I'm telling you, if I told her. I'm nominating the next movie for the podcast, and it stars at Marina Baccarin because she's a hot chick. How do you think that would go over? It's like a double standard when it comes think, to Ryan Reynolds. I think he'd be sleeping bro. on the couch. What's that? I said I think he'd be sleeping on the couch. Yeah, no kidding. It's like, it's like unfair, right? So this is a double standard. So, Chris, you're an, you're an old white man. Believe me, you've had it pretty good for a long time. Just mm, suck it up. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, so I, so I say to my wife, I'm like, I don't know if you're going to want to watch this because... Ryan Reynolds wears a mask the whole movie. So she's like, oh, well, forget it then. Oh, well, I said, well, you know, he does wear this tight mesh suit. So, you know, you can check out his bulge. So she's back in at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ryan Reynolds pulls his mask up at the beginning. He's all scarred, disfigured. She's like, I think I'm back out. (laughs) So it was like a real tennis match watching this movie. Um, So, again, I, I get this movie is trying to be a comic book movie sort of for adults but i guess my question is why why was well that's sort of how the original comic book was conceived do you mean like why did they conceive it that way or why did they make the movie like the comic book yeah like like why did they come up with this comic book that was like all swearing and nudity and profanity and stuff dollars and cents man dollars and cents there's an audience for it and there's money to be made and somebody wants to make that money this filled the niche that was clearly out there and they've been pumping this character out for 20 some odd years in the comic books. And like you said, they've made two movies of this and I'm fairly certain they're on their way of making a third one. It is a cash cow. They are making the money because people want more of this. I guess. Okay. So, you know, it's my job to point out, you know, the Gen X things when I see them and I call it when movies rip off stuff. So he gets in the gunfight right at the beginning with the bad guys. And it's, it's like something out of the matrix. He's like in slow motion. He's spinning through the air. Right. And as he's spinning through the air in slow motion, he's like, did I leave the stove on? 
and I'm like, total airplane ripoff. Because there's a scene mm-hmm. in there where Johnny's like, did I leave the iron on? And I'm like, this is ripping mm-hmm. off my airplane. But you mentioned the CGI guy from the credits. What was the deal yep. with him? I, I couldn't figure out where he fit in. Like, was he his partner or something? Like, they don't really explain it. I'm assuming you have to read the comic books to know about him and his relationship to this character. Yeah, that's uh, so Deadpool exists in the same movie and comic universe as the X-Men. Again, a franchise you may or may not be familiar with, but one of the X-Men characters, uh, his name is Colossus, and that's this character. I don't know if they actually call him Colossus in the movie, but the Mm. idea is his superpower is he can make his skin into like living metal. Uh, and, be, and become like nearly invulnerable. Uh, they don't show him in this movie in his normal human form. They just show him with the metal. And uh, in the comic books, again, I haven't really been reading Marvel comics for the last 20 years, but I, as, as I understand it, Deadpool and a couple of other characters uh, from the X-Men franchise have sort of split off from time to time to do like a, a special task force called the X-Force. And apparently Colossus is a part of this X-Force or, or later became a part of that. And so they in the comics, those characters have history. I, I wasn't familiar with that history when I saw the movie the first time, but I was aware of who this character was. Um, and you're exactly right. They don't really give you any background. I think you're just supposed to realize like this. This is a, a capital H hero who's trying to convince Deadpool to do the right thing and is obviously not doing a very good job. My takeaway of it was the CGI wasn't very good. I mean, it wasn't like scorpion king right. bad, but I mean, come on. They made dinosaurs come to life in 1993. They've had 25 years at this point to improve on the technology. I thought this looked crappy. Yeah, I did too. And considering how much CGI was required to do a lot of the other work in this movie, you almost think that it was deliberately left looking goofy, maybe for some comedic value. I, I never really understood that myself, and it does it does take away from the movie, in my opinion. It just, it really stands out mm-hmm. as looking bad. Yeah, I thought so. So the bartender, you mentioned him. He's the guy with the glasses and the beard. Weasel, I think was his name. So he, uh, he makes yeah, an appearance. Miller. Yeah, Weasel. yeah, he makes an appearance yep. early in the, in the film. And my wife was like, hey, that's Ryan Reynolds. He's playing two parts in this movie. I'm like, what? The, no. the guy looks like someone living in a trailer park. Like, he looks nothing like Ryan Reynolds. I think just between you and me, I think my wife is going blind. You know, might explain why she's well, with me. I tell her I look like Ryan Reynolds. You know, because if I tell her I'm Wilford Brimley and Cocoon Old, you know, she'll just bail, right? So, that. so lots of stuff going on in here. Lots of R-rated stuff. There's that scene when it looks like he's on top of her. And he's like, it's time to put some balls in holes. And the camera rotates. And they're actually standing yes. and they're in the arcade yes. playing ski ball. And then it, you, know, you think, okay, that's innocent. And it just cuts to this sex montage. There's Thanksgiving and Halloween. To the and song then, Calendar Girl as they're going through all the holidays. Yeah. Oh, I like the music. I thought the use of music in this movie was pretty creative. I don't remember what they were playing during this scene, but I do remember that at one point she. And I'm thinking. Like, well, it was International Women's Day. It was her turn oh, to call the shots. That's well, I, that scene. I was I was just thinking a couple things went through through my mind during that whole montage. Number one, hot chick looks amazing naked. Okay, there's that. Yeah. And number two, I'm really glad I didn't let my kids watch this. <laughs> I'm like, jeez, I tell you. So, and, but I mean, it's, you know, 
you know, why would I let my son watch this? It's a superhero movie on Disney Plus, for God's sake. You'd think it would be appropriate for kids, if you don't know. But like you mentioned, well, I mean, the rating is pretty clear, man. You yeah. as the parent need I to be that censor. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, though, like I, I, which uh, something I want to come back to. It's not really a superhero movie, right? Because no, not really. He even says he's like, I'm not a superhero. He, you know, like you yeah. even say it's not quite an anti-hero, I guess. You know, but uh, you know, he's this guy that's all like burnt and disfigured, and he becomes this this dark anti-hero set on revenge, which got me thinking. I really liked this movie the first time I saw it when it was called Dark Man with Liam Neeson. So maybe yep. this isn't as original as I thought after all. I don't know. No, that's fair. That's a fair comparison. I, I like at one point, though, I did like how they describe Ryan Reynolds' face. The guy's like, you look like Freddy Krueger topographical map of Utah. Who's writing this dialogue? And then the the hot chick there, she makes the joke about Yoda on Luke's back, and he's like, "Nice Star Wars joke." And she goes, "It's from Empire." He's like, "Yeah, it's like I made you in a computer." You know, it's like nerds (laughs) everywhere instantly fall in love with her. Not not that they needed much more incentive to, you know. No, not at all. So, lots of pop culture references in this movie. A lot of them, and usually. In an incredibly disgusting manner, too. Like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, he's at one point he kills a guy and he spews blood all over this guy's face, and he's like, "Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret." I'm like, what? What am I watching? Remember when he was talking about cancer? She gets cancer, and he's like, "Cancer's a." It's like Yakov Smirnoff opening for the Spin Doctors at the Iowa State Fair. I'm like, what? Again, paints a picture. I guess the dialogue is like out of this world. And the, there was that Bernadette Peters purse, which I again, this really random kind of pop culture thing in there. And then they're like having a conversation. It comes in like midway through the conversation. And he's like, and that's why I think Cocoon is pure pornography. Yeah. <laughs> what? Although I am Wilfred Brimley old, so I can relate, I guess. But the other one that really stood out to me was when he's, he's talking about, they're talking about like a bucket list. And he's like, number one on my bucket list is giving Meredith Baxter Bernie a Dutch oven. And the other guy's like, yes. no, getting a Dutch oven from Meredith Baxter Bernie. <laughs> oh, you know what? There, I was watching an old episode of the Partridge Family recently because that's what I do, as you know, Derek. Mm-hmm. And Meredith Shocking. Baxter Bernie was on it. And she played yeah, this yeah. teenage hippie backpacker. She might have been one of the most beautiful women I have ever seen. Like, I'm talking, this was years before Family Ties. Like, this might have been like right. 70, 71, something like that. You need to Google Meredith Baxter Burney in Partridge Family. Man, she was absolutely beautiful. I mean, she's no hot chick in this movie, but I mean, you know, who is? Um, I also found that this movie had a lot of non-linear storytelling going on. Which was kind of interesting. Yeah, I was. I was glad you brought this up. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this. So a lot of a, a lot of superhero stories, most superhero stories, end up being origin stories, and the ones that tend to be the least interesting are the ones that are completely linear, where it's you know average character, something happens, something traumatic. In many cases, they either discover superpowers, make superpowers, something happens, and then they end up resolving their. Their whatever issue it was that that caused them to get all angry or sad or whatever. And 
the ones that are told in a linear fashion tend to be kind of boring because they are now so commonplace. You can predict the beats of how this story is going to play out. And I think the ones that that tend to work a little better are the ones that have that sort of nonlinear convention, even if they're just a little bit like think the first Iron Man. You almost have like that little teaser before the credits where you see Tony Stark in peril. And then it says something like, you know, 48 hours earlier, which is a trope that drives me up the wall. But then everything after that is, is in a linear. But you know that it's going to get there sooner or later. But then um, you think of something like Batman Begins, a Christopher Nolan movie, which, again, it's called Begins. You expect it to be an origin story, but it's not just here's Bruce Wayne. He sees his parents get killed. He does all the training. He becomes Batman. It sort of starts with you're already in the middle of the story. And this movie very much the same thing. It's just like, here's this character. Here's this extreme circumstance. You get this this big CGI action sequence right at the beginning. And then they sort of walk it back and go, okay, yeah. well, here's sort of who this is. And by by cutting back and forth and back and forth, because honestly, the first parts of an origin story tend to be pretty slow and pretty boring. So by not just giving you all that at the beginning, you you can entice your audience by like, here's an action set piece. Okay, now we're going to slow it down a bit. And you, you get a little bit of that origin, the slow stuff, more of the dialogue, more of the humor, more of the character development. And then we're going to jump back into some action sequences. Think of it like... Uh, and I mean, we've talked about this before, like Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of the best examples of this. Steven Spielberg, he knows how to make a movie. And that's, you know, he, he does that same thing. You get Indiana Jones, you have the giant action sequence with the boulder and the idol at the beginning. And then it slows down for the audience to catch up and you get this parts where he's back as a teacher. And then he goes to get the, 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 the headpiece of the staff off from Marion and there's this big shootout in the bar and then it lulls it. like, you know, and so you see a lot more movies using that style and this movie, I think, does that very well. It's like action, 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 slows it down, does a flashback. Action, 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 slows it down, does a flashback. I think it worked pretty well. Yeah, you mentioned some of the action sequences. One that stood out to me was that lab blowing up scene. You know, because he yeah. fights the bad guy. Francis was his name, right? And he fights him naked. Yeah. And then they just use all this clever photography and the sort of framing of the shots. So you just barely just don't see his genitals. Much to my wife's chagrin, too, by the way, Derek. <laughs> well, you get to see his butt. Yeah, I guess. I mean, hey, Ryan Reynolds got a great butt. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, what came to mind was, is this a better naked fight sequence than the one in Eastern Promises? Because in Eastern Promises, there was no hiding anything. No, you see it. But, <laughs> yeah, I was like, but this one's probably a little more action oriented. So they're both, I mean, they're both good for different reasons. So the costume, I want to talk a little bit because I like when he's coming up with the costume. The first one that he kind of puts together basically looks like the Invisible Man. It's just like some white bandages wrapped around his head. And then the the one that he ends up with, it, like, it has these two white coverings over the eyes. I'm not sure what that was about. Do you know why that was, Derek? I think it's just the way that he is, like, that is the way it looks in the comic book. So I think they just yeah. ultimately wanted it to, to do that. The white eyes contrast. Like, think of, like, um, Spider-Man's like that, too, right? He's got the big white eyes with the black outlines on the red mask. I, I think it sort of harkens back to that. Uh -huh. But let me ask you about this. So yeah. this was something my wife and I talked about the mask and she's like, I wonder how they get him to really articulate. Cause there's a lot of like expressions that you can see through the eyes and the, the movement of the face beneath the mask. And um, as we were talking about it, I said to her, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if when they actually shot these sequences, he wasn't wearing the mask. They just had those like motion capture dots on his face. And then they use CGI after to put the mask on. Honestly, I don't know how they did it. I know that definitely there are some scenes where he's literally wearing a mask. Cause I've seen some of the behind the scenes footage, 
But I'm I'm guessing that there was some computer manipulation done to to help him articulate some of it. But hey, I don't know. That's that's or the, the other magic way. of movies. You just yeah, or the other way, he wore that? the mask and then they just CGI kind of movements on the mask. Yeah. To give him that. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with Tom Holland in the Spider-Man movies. He gets a lot of emotional expression through the mask, which you didn't have in the original Spider-Mans with Tobey Maguire, which was one of the giant criticisms is why would you cast a very, very well-known movie star and then have them wear a mask through the whole movie and not let you see their face? And then what ended up happening was you were constantly having excuses for the characters to take off the mask. And you're like, well, the whole reason they wear a mask is so people don't know who they are. So I like the way that they figured out a way to do it. And I think it worked really well in this. Yeah, because they take that to a different level here. If you think about it, they, they're, they've cast this, like, you know, sexiest man alive, you know, who beat me out mm-hmm. back in 2010. And, you know, they, they, they take this guy that everybody, all the girls love, and he's all sexy and everything. Let's take him, let's put him in this movie, put a mask on him. And then when we do see him, he's all disfigured. It's quite bold. It's, 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 it's yeah. interesting, you know. Um, well, they're so, really playing on the, they're really playing on the, the Ryan Reynolds brand, yeah. right? Like by this point, they want you to come and see this movie because you're getting his shtick and you're not like exactly to your point you've come to see the whole package you're not getting the face but you're at least getting to see him in the tight bodysuit you're getting to hear his voice you're getting to hear his dialogue his jokes his timing his rhythm so you're still getting all those other pieces and they obviously believe that those were strong enough that you didn't need to see his face to still want to come and see him play this role and i mean i thought it was great i thought it still worked yeah i mean he was obviously a big part of this this film and he's canadian you know, he's from Vancouver. Yeah. And I thought too. it was interesting because there were several Canadian references in the movie, too. They mentioned uh, Saskatchewan at one point. They talk about Regina. He makes a little comment about that. Yeah. And then the scene where he's like, you're about to be killed by a Zamboni in just a few yes. minutes because it's so slow coming <laughs> at the guy, which I thought yeah. was pretty funny. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of breaking the fourth wall here, too. He's yes. always talking to the camera and stuff. And then they even take that whole break in the fourth wall to a whole different level because at one point they're like, do you think Ryan Reynolds got this far on his acting ability? It's like, right. Oh, like, like he's outside the film, you know, almost, which I thought was interesting. Well, um, and as we mentioned before, there's an actual copy of the People magazine with Ryan Reynolds, a sexiest man of the year on the cover in one of the early shots. I think it's in the car in the first shot when it explodes. So there's uh-huh. there's that, again, very wink, wink, tongue in cheek. Like they are absolutely self-aware and making fun of of he's you know making fun of himself while while doing this movie. One thing I, I, I made a, 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 made me chuckle they're, when they're riding in the in was it Boo Pinder in his car? And oh, the cabbie, yeah. Yeah, the Boo Pinder guy. Joe, P- talk- Joe Pinder. Oh, Joe, Joe Pinder. And he's talking on the phone to some guy that's apparently cheating with his girlfriend. And he's like, I'm going to mess you up. I'm going to leave you on her front doorstep. And Ryan Reynolds is like, I didn't tell him to do that. It was lost in translation, which I thought was funny because we just did that movie last we week. Just, yeah, it made, me. made me smile as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the end of the movie, he kills Francis. Although I didn't really understand because I just thought Francis would just regenerate somehow, but it didn't happen. No, he said, they'd said that, so dead, one of Deadpool's superpowers Mm -hmm. is this enhanced um, uh, healing ability. The other guy, he didn't have an enhanced healing ability. He just didn't feel pain. He couldn't feel anything. Oh, okay. So he would heal at the normal rate, but he just didn't feel pain, which allowed him to be in these extreme situations. And it seemed like he had 
heightened strength as well. Right. Which, yeah, that explains a lot. And then right at the sort of the end of the movie, then Ryan Reynolds, you know, makes his big statement. He says, you don't need to be a superhero to get the girl. Or in this case, the hot chick, I guess. Which yeah. basically fulfills every nerd's fantasy when he when he mm-hmm. says that line. So it was funny because then the movie's over and my wife turns to me and she's like, I actually like this movie. And I was like, wow. really? Wow. I mean, who knows what she's going to like? She's worse than me, apparently. I think she liked it better mm-hmm. than I did, too. But um, would you give it a rating out of 10? I'd say probably a seven. I mean, I liked it, but I don't think it has nearly the the rewatchability of some of the other superhero movies. Um, it, like I said, it had been a number of years since I watched it. And I think I'm probably good for a few more years, although I do very much want to watch Deadpool 2. And then my wife said that after she goes, when are we watching the sequel? And I said, well, I don't have to watch it for the podcast, but I'm like, now that this one's fresh in our mind, let's go and watch the sequel maybe in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think 7 out of 10 is probably about the right place for I me. think I would go with 5.5 out of 10. I, like, I, All right, I that's was, a pass. Yeah, it barely passes. And then it was okay. It was kind of original, that's for sure. But it's not something I'd watch again, nor would I care to see, you know, a sequel or anything like that about it. So it was just, it was just okay for me. So that's what mm-hmm. I would say. But anyway, okay. on that note, what do you say we have some? Fun with Caveman. Derek, we're going to play a little game called Name That Ryan. Okay? Okay. I'm going to give you a movie title and the year it was released, and you have to name the actor with the name Ryan that appears in the movie. Oh boy. Super easy. Right? Okay. Like, well. for example, if I were to say Deadpool 2016, you would say... Ryan Reynolds. Exactly. Right? So you okay. get that, right? Okay, so I got All right. 10 All right. actors named Ryan. And oh the movie okay. or TV shows that they've appeared okay. in. Okay? So here we go. So up first, easy one. La La Land from 2016. Ryan Gosling. Yes, another Canadian named Ryan. He was from London, Ontario. Yep. Okay. American Idol. 2002 until present. Wow. American Idol. It has to be one of the judges. Oh, Ryan Seacrest. Yes. Very good. You came right out there. Seacrest out. He used to say in the first yeah. season. Okay, here's another easy one for you. When Harry Met Sally from 1989. Meg Ryan. Yes. Kind of that around there. All right. Whose line is it anyway? 1988 to present. Um, oh, uh, no, that's Colin. Um, I don't know. I can picture the guy. Ryan Styles. Ryan Styles. Styles. Oh, oh, as soon as you so, start saying yeah. it, it came to me. All right, we're going to go back for this one. Love Story from 1970. Name I, I that Ryan. I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. I don't even know the movie. <laughs> Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. Sure. Okay. Is that a man or a woman? It's a man. Gone okay. Baby Gone from 2007. Oh. Ooh. Okay. I've definitely seen that. A little bit more uh, in your wheelhouse. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of the cast of that. Um, no. No one's coming to mind. I don't know. Amy Ryan. She was also in The Office. I really liked her in The Office. I thought she was great. Oh, okay. All right. Crash. From 2004. Name that Ryan. Uh, again, another movie with a huge cast. Um, 
I, I don't know. Ryan Philippi. Ryan Phillippe. Oh my God, yeah. Very I, I totally forgot he was in that. Here's one you're going to get. Here's, here's a softball for you. Star Trek Voyager from 1995 to 2001. Oh, that would be Jerry Ryan. Also looked good in a tight suit. Just much oh my like God, Ryan yeah. Reynolds. Oh my Jesus. Okay. The Beverly Hillbillies from 1962 to 1971. Name that Ryan. The, the only reason I know this is from Wayne's World. Irene Ryan. Yes. <laughs> they mentioned her in Wayne's World? Yeah, there's a whole thing where they're describing the perfect woman. And then there was something about... Irene Ryan, Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, there was granny. some characteristic about her they thought oh. we made up the perfect woman. And I was like, that's the only reason I know that. All right. The last one, one of my favorite movies of all time. Kill and Kill Again from 1981. Name that, Ryan. Uh, Ryan McRyerson. James Ryan. It was James <laughs> Ryan. Ryan McRyanson. Yeah, yeah, no, well, I have no idea. No, that's not sure. correct. All right. All right. I'm so sure. We, Check that again. I'm sure that character was in there. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Uh, he played the Optimus, I believe, in that film. Okay. So you didn't do very good with the Ryan. So I'm glad I was no, able to stump no, you a not, little bit. Yes. It's always a good thing when I can stump you a bit. Well, I think I did okay. I got at least four or five of them. That's, yeah, you got me uh, maybe four of them. So, you know, you failed. So yeah. you're going to have to come back and, and, and go to summer school, you know. Uh, so next time that we come back, we're going to be doing a topic, most likely one of our top five lists. So we'll come back and do that next I think, time. I up. think we're due for a top. Yeah, I think yeah, so. It's, it's right. sort of in our rotation and then we'll go from there. So until then, this is Chris McBride on behalf of myself and Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.